Welcome to the show where my guests are a couple of BBC TV journalists and presenters, Zoe Kleinman and Susanna Streeter. They've teamed up for a tech podcast called Backspace and Beyond. Hear from Zoe and Susanna soon. Barry from EastEnders is also on the show, the actor Sean Williamson. I want to find out from him how growing up on a rough council estate in Kent prepared him for life. The broadcaster Ian Dale will be here too. He's been presenting his LBC show from his bedroom during lockdown. I'll ask him if he was given the choice after lockdown, would he even go into a radio station in central London? And find out from Russ Williams what it's like to be on tour with the Rolling Stones. It's all on the way with me, Graham Mack, and good news. The Chancellor says... You can get 50% off this show if you consume it as a podcast on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. It's the Pod 20 where I count down the top 20 podcasts based on downloads and your recommendations at thepodcastradio.co.uk. At number 20 this week, Dan Snow's History Hit. Dan reports from the weird and wonderful places around the world where history's been made and interviews historians. At 19, Football Weekly from The Guardian, a twice-weekly dose of puns and punditry, news and analysis from the Premier League and beyond. At 18, Backspace and Beyond, the BBC's Zoe Kleinman and Susanna Streeter take a look at the latest tech news and how it affects us. As well as being live in the broom cupboard, just before, it was about midnight, because it was a really late night programme yeah. I was doing, I was a bit peckish. <laughs> as you and a great, thing of being, a great thing of being at home is you can just nip next door, open the fridge and, <laughs> and get something out to eat. But I decided to heat up a Thai red curry. That is quite the midnight snack, Susanna. It was a quite the midnight snack. And in my haste to get back into the broom cupboard i opened the curry the wrong way and really burnt my hand <gasps> scolded it so no. badly and so it was like what do i do do i go do the billboard or do i run my thumb under the tap tap so i ran my thumb under the tap then put it in a, a glass of water ran back into the studio to do my billboard which is always pre-recorded managed to do that put it back under the tap again but then oh, i had to spend no. the entire program with my thumb in a jug of water, well, a kind of pint glass full of water. Oh, no. And then during the news, managed to kind of bandage it up and take some paracetamol to numb the pain. Thank goodness for the but news. It, <laughs> but you like, really... do you, can you take your time? Do as many headlines as you want. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was very much like that. <laughs> Zoe Kleinman and Susanna Streeter are my special guests this week. Hear from them soon. Back to the chart now. And we're up to number 17, which is the harrowing... A once-in-a-century storm hits a remote Scottish island. As the isolated community takes shelter, a barbaric crime sets off a chain of events which heralds the rise of an ancient evil and threatens to change the course of history. It stars the Golden Globe winner Joanne Froggart as Police Sergeant Jackie O'Hara. It's an eight-part supernatural thriller and it's created by the acclaimed writer and director Mark Healy. And will you knock it off with the bagpipes? We had this last week. Goodness me. Thank you. Side note here. A lot of people think the bagpipes are Scottish. They're not. They were invented by the Irish, and they were sold to the Scots as a joke. The Scots still haven't got that joke.
At number 16, it's No Holes Barred. Not holds. Holes. Nora and Victoria are two potty-mouthed mums trying to find light in the lesser-spoken realities of womanhood. At 15, Eden's End, a radio drama, murder mystery from Sean Williamson. You'll know him best as Barry from EastEnders. Sean, you grew up on a council estate in Kent. How did that shape you? Do you know what? It, it was one of those places that, that there was a great community spirit, but just, um, you know, every now and again, things could kick off. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it, it was a very solid upbringing. Certainly no no privileges. I mean, Dad was a postman, Mum was a cleaner. So if anything, it, it, it gives you a sense of value, a sense of um, looking after property and money. And, and you know, uh, um, I just feel, feel very lucky that I've been able to um, do what I'm doing and, and still doing it, really. And how did the relationship change with your old mates and your extended family when you became famous? It's weird, isn't it? Because I've still got most of the old friends I've always had and it hasn't changed one jot. There's a great line in an Eagle song that says, even your old friends treat you like you're someone new. But uh, I suppose a, a few people uh, were like that, but I've, I've just got the same solid friends I've always had. Most of them are um, scaffolders, tarmacers, very manual people who still mock me about the softness of my hands when we go out for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you still are in touch with the old mates then from back then? Oh, undoubtedly. Um, I'm still in, in the same part of the county that I, I grew up in, Kent. I still regularly go back to my old estate, Parkwood, to wander around it with my mum, a bit of memory. And yeah, I'm, I'm still in the same area, so I, I still socialise with the same people I've always socialised with. In fact... I don't really socialise with anybody from show business. Really? No. And you don't like crowds much either, do you? No, I don't. Uh, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a claustrophobe, so I don't mind lockdown for certain reasons. <laughs> you know, I, I spend uh, a lot of my time in a baseball cap trying to keep out of people's way anyway. It's just that in the past, it was only casting directors who crossed the street to avoid me. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't exactly a scholar. What was school like for you? I was one of these kids. I was bright, but I, I, I had the, the classic uh, um, comment in my report, you know, must try harder. I think sometimes I went to a lovely school, St. Simon Stock Secondary School. There's nothing wrong with that school. I think I always knew I was just one of these people who, who wasn't going to get by with a standard education or a set of exams you know I, I knew a set of exam results wouldn't define what i did and it's obviously hard to convince a teacher that when you're 14 <laughs> <laughs> that you're special <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but but when you you left school though you went for a regular job you went to be a postman like your dad did you enjoy that i loved it uh it was based in a place called king street in maidstone there was a wonderful camaraderie there to leave school, I would just turn 16. They let me leave early because um, there was the depression, you know, 8081, 80, the early Thatcher years. And they let me leave early before my exams because a job was a job. So to, to enter a world of, forgive me, you know, men or, or adults at, uh, you know, 16 years and three months old was incredible. And I, I loved it. But then a couple of years later, they shifted from the old sorting office into what was called a mechanised letter office. And it was the equivalent of working in a factory, really. So I'd had enough and, and, and I left to join the Navy. Well, that didn't work out either, did it? Well, only because I was colourblind. So they found out I was colourblind. They gave me a, a place in the fleet air arm. 
Right. Um, and the last thing they did was the medical. Would you believe it? The last <laughs> thing. And uh, they found out I was colorblind. So I just had to recap to something called SNS, which is um, uh, storesman, steward, cook, and writer. And uh, writer? Because I was shown a writer, basically a, a, a glorified pay accountant. But uh, so I joined. I thought, you know, I've come this far. I've told all my mates I'm joining. So I joined. And I sort of did my best, but I left. I, I, I toughed it out for nearly a year, but I, I could see where it was going. I, mean, I joined as a writer, but now with computers, how many writers do they need aboard a warship? You joined to be a helicopter pilot, though, didn't you? Yeah, fleet aeron. Yeah, yeah. But, but of course, you, you, you can't do that with colour blindness. You know? Yeah, yeah. Ships are denoted with a red light for port, a green light for starboard. And if you get them mixed up... <laughs> 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 yeah when you're yeah. coming into land <laughs> yeah so it's it's best that, that you didn't go that way so how did you get it out of the navy best, it was best for everybody it was best for queen country <laughs> everybody that i did not stay in the military trust me but how did you get out because you would have had to sign up for a certain period wouldn't you i i just i, I didn't do anything silly i i, I just made sure they got sick of me <laughs> right and, uh, until they got the message that uh, i just didn't want to be there Sean Williamson, he'll be back on the show next week and will tell us about his sometimes unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Back to the chart soon. Let's check in with my special guests now. They are Zoe Kleinman and Susanna Streeter. Susanna is the anchor for the BBC's flagship programme, World Business Report, on TV and radio. She's a regular face on BBC One Breakfast. Zoe Kleinman is a leading technology journalist and presenter with a passion for all things tech. She reports on national and international BBC, radio, TV and online, including Radio 4's Today programme, BBC World TV and the UK's most watched news shows. They host a tech podcast together called Backspace and Beyond, which, as you heard, is at number 18 on the chart this week. So how did you two end up doing a podcast together? We were actually in a lift, weren't we, Zoe? And we were having a chat. We were talking about the tech news of the day and the lift was going up from the depths of Television Centre up to the second floor where we're based in the business unit. And we just kept chatting and talking. And we, one of us said, you know, we should do a podcast about this. And as we kind of came out the, the lift, we were like, well, why don't we do that? Let's just do it. And kind of ran into a radio studio and the rest is history, as they say. I think we just sort of gel because um, we're coming at most stories from very different angles. You know, Susanna does all the kind of business stuff, whereas I do much more of the gadgets and tech side of things. And although there's a lot of common ground there in, in terms of the, the stories that we do, you know, work for both of us, but we both have very different takes on them. And I think we sort of listened to quite a few podcasts, haven't we, and sort of felt like either you get two people who have very similar views and just spend the whole time agreeing with each other or kind of saying the same thing in different ways. Or, you know, tech podcasts can be, well, quite technical and a bit sort of off-putting. And we wanted to do something that was um, approachable, I guess, and chatty. And as we discovered from our conversation in the lift, neither of us can shut up. So we thought, you know, the one thing we have got going for us is that we can we can probably talk about pretty much anything for, you know, 20 minutes or so. And we thought it was a good time to do it because the whole idea is that it's the business of technology and how it affects your everyday life because the digital world is moving so, so quickly at the moment. So many different developments taking place, particularly as we've been finding with lockdown. The way that we work has changed completely. 
but it's also looking behind that and looking at the companies and the firms um, that are responsible for bringing us that technology that technology what will it mean not just for their share prices but actually really what does it mean for us in everyday life how are we using it are these firms responsible are they making the right choices for us there's also though quite a lot of humor piled in there about how we're coping not just in lockdown but also juggling families with technology screen time you know you name it we talk about it Susanna Streeter and Zoe Kleinman the podcast is called Backspace and Beyond it's at number 18 this week on the podcast chart at 14 it's Happy Place with Fern Cotton Fern talks to incredible people about life love loss and everything in between as she reveals what happiness means to them her latest guest is the founder of Not On The High Street and Holly & Co, Holly Tucker. At 13, ceasefire, true crime, fact is scarier than fiction. Let's check back in with my special guests. BBC TV presenters Zoe Kleinman and Susanna Streeter. They host a tech podcast called Backspace and Beyond. And I suppose the most successful gadget of all time would have to be the mobile phone. Phones are weird. When they first came out, they started getting smaller and smaller and smaller every year. Then the smartphone came out, which was already bigger. But since then, they've got bigger and bigger. But you're not a fan of the big phone, Susanna. I don't want a big phone because I like the little, um, you know, iPhone SE because it kind of fits quite nicely. It's the right size. My wife's it. the same. She has the small one. Yeah, the SE. She loved the old SE, not the new one. Absolutely. She loves it. Yeah, I've got the old SE. Yeah. I've got the old SE. It's a little bit cracked. I mean, we're talking about, as well, one of our podcasts coming up, all about all the devices that you still have at home. These electronic devices that are still working they're still doing their job why do we need to upgrade all the time when they're perfectly fine as long as of course you don't have to upgrade for certain operating systems but it's amazing to think how many gadgets that we have collecting dust in our homes which actually still would work pretty well we just have this kind of we need to get the latest new thing do we you know are we going to change this do you think in lockdown, the very fact that uh, people haven't been buying things so much has made people revisit what they have and, and value the older devices a little bit more. We're going to be exploring that. Susanna, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm slightly focused on the fact that you described your phone as a little bit cracked. That is the biggest <laughs> understatement I have ever heard. Your phone is a mess. <laughs> It is a mess, but you know what? It still works. I'm still recording us on my phone. It's cracked. Mm. It's a mess, but it's still working. Shows that they are pretty robust and you don't always need to upgrade to the next new model, although I do need a new screen. You are right. I will get round to it yes. with the other huge yes. list of things that I have to do today. <laughs> Susanna Streeter and Zoe Kleinman. And the podcast is called Backspace and Beyond. I want to find out if the future is all about wearable tech talk to them in a bit about that. I'm Graham Mack and this is the Pod 20, the definitive chart of the top 20 podcasts right now, based on downloads and your recommendations at thepodcastradio.co.uk. At number 12, it's Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe's Lockdown Parenting Hell. It's parenting, just not as you know it. At 11, it's For the Many, a podcast presented by LBC's Ian Dale and the Labour politician and former Home Secretary Jackie Smith. Ian is a friend of the show. Let's talk about your programme on LBC. You've been presenting the show from your bedroom during lockdown. After this is all over, if you were given the choice, would you rather broadcast from home instead of having to go into LBC studios in Leicester Square? No. 
Um, I mean, look, there are, there are days when if I was just doing a three hour phone in show, I could easily do that. But I, if I'm interviewing somebody, I like to see the whites of their eyes, um, particularly if it's a senior politician. There's just a different dynamic. Um, we've had to pause our cross-question shows, like any questions, four panellists in the studio taking questions from listeners. And you can't do that on Zoom. Well, you can do, but it's all a bit clunky. And do I really want to risk the connection going down because I'm putting a lot more, uh, because we're, we're doing it on video as well as audio, it's going to put much more pressure on the Wi-Fi. I mean, we might try, my producers want to trial that, but I'm, I'm actually quite nervous about doing that. So I'm not expecting to do this forever. I, I'm probably not going to go back early i probably won't go back at the same time as other people um i i can see this going on till august september but i i, I do want to go back because you miss the interactions you miss the sort of gossip you miss just meeting people i haven't met anybody for 78 days i'm mean, at home with my partner and my dogs and i go up to the corner shop maybe once every two or three days to take some hermes parcels because I've, I've developed a sideline in selling mugs believe it or not um and um and that's it and i mean i don't mind that i've actually i can't say that it's been a hardship i've really quite enjoyed it if i'm honest Com- i mean compared to some people who've literally got just four walls to look at all the time i'm very lucky um but no i do want i do want to go back but i wouldn't mind doing the odd program mm. from home and i think I think a lot of radio stations are going to completely reevaluate how they operate as a result of this. It is possible to do a radio program um, when one of the producers isn't in the studio. I mean, you've got to have somebody there, uh, the tech op. You kind of do need an output producer and you do need somebody answering the phone. So you can't do everything remotely, but you can do a lot more remotely than I think we ever thought possible. And what about the podcast with Jackie Smith? Where do you do that from these days? Well, I do that from uh, my uh, bedroom or sometimes the sitting room, and she does it from her sitting room in Malvern. Was it always that way? Yeah. We've done a couple in the studio. She happened to be in London. Um, But it's done on IPDTL. Uh, So I I record it at my end, and we transfer the files to my producer. She then puts it up on iTunes and wherever, and um, off we go. So we're doing two episodes a week now. We do a a Saturday. Normally, we do a weekend one, um, either on a Saturday or Sunday. And we, we now class that as the more serious one. But we, I mean, we've always had a laugh and we, we both have very smutty senses of humour. So it does sort of trail off into the unknown sometimes. <laughs> but on Wednesdays, um, we decided to do a second one. We thought there was a demand for it and then we were right. And we thought, well, let's do something different on a Wednesday. So we've turned it into a sort of Dear Uncle Ian, Dear Auntie Jackie type podcast, the sort of agony aunt thing. And oh my God, um, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure anybody in the LBC management listens to it because I think if they did, we'd probably be told to rein ourselves in a bit. Why? What kind of stuff are you getting? Well, it's very bawdy humour. Let's talk. I mean, I told you about my mugs. Well, there's a lot of discussion about Jackie's jugs. Okay. And much more besides. Um, and I mean, it's difficult because you think, I mean, I think most British people have a fairly bawdy sense of humour, but there are some people who do not. And I have a listener called Graham who emails me every week to say, I can't listen to this anymore. It, it's just, you, you, you sound like 12 year olds with your really stupid sense of humour. 
And I said, well, that's because that is our sense of humour and we're not going to change it just because one or two people don't like it. Graham, just listen on Saturdays when we don't do so much of that. And he did have the good grace to email me the other day to say that even he found some of the Humour on Saturdays podcast acceptable. So, I mean, you can't please all of the people all of the time. And um, I think people need a bit of a laugh. They need to have their minds taken off things. And it's great. I mean, people tell us how they listen to us. There's one guy that listens to the whole podcast while he's swimming up the River Dart. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's and when we have listeners all over the world. And I just, I still get a kick when I'm on air, when I get a call from somewhere I mean, from Tehran or somewhere like that. And, and you do every program somewhere around the world. Someone rings in uh, last night, uh, had a guy from Texas. And that's, well, how on earth did you discover LBC? Oh, I discovered it five years ago. And I listen to about eight hours a day now. And I think this is fantastic. Someone in Dallas listening to LBC. But um, it happens all o- over the world. So what do you listen to? Do you know, I listen increasingly to podcasts, which I suppose is the right answer, given who I'm talking to. Well, my problem is that I, I've subscribed to far too many, and there are only so many that you can listen to. The ones I, I listen to every week without fail are, fortunately, Jane Garvey and Feed Lover, which, I mean, they've got a, a slightly, I mean, they don't quite let themselves go as much as Jackie and, and I do, but they have got very well-developed senses of humour. And Feed Lover, I just think, if she is in my top five list of radio presenters um, in this country. So I, I love listening to the two, the two of them. Um, I actually did prepare a little list here of what, what I subscribe to. Um, yeah. Eamon and the Gaffers. Eamon Holmes interviews top-flight football managers. And it's brilliant because he has time to really explore things. It's generally, I mean, I, I was talked to the producer of this podcast the other day and I said, mate, it's too short. It needs to be at least an hour. And they're generally about 45 minutes and they kind of leave you wanting more, which I suppose is a good thing. But Eamon really knows his football and clearly knows most of the people he's interviewing from, I don't know, he was probably interviewed them before. And it just really works. They do it in a pub. And it's a very relaxed atmosphere, and he always gets interesting anecdotes out of them. So um, that's one that I listen to a, a lot. Um, the um, Media Masters podcast, an hour long, him and somebody from the media. Now, I he does a lot of business people from the media, which, frankly, I'm not interested in. I don't listen to those. But he does get big-name people. I mean, I would love to do a, a podcast like that for politics. And I, I do this podcast called Ian Dale All Talk, which I, I started last year. Uh, I did a show at the Edinburgh Fringe, 24 shows. So we recorded them and then we put them out as a podcast once a week for 24 weeks. But obviously we then ran out and I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? So I kind of used archive interviews that I've done. But this week I've restarted it properly with original interviews. And yesterday I did an hour with Andrew Marr absolutely fascinating which i think that's going up uh, this afternoon so I, i'm going to try i'm not copying paul blanchard but i i'm I, I, because i think he i want to do interviews that are much more conversational and his are quite conversational um yeah. but I, I want to do much more sort of biographical stuff with politicians and pe- people from the media so um that that's going to be i think quite quite a big thing i've got quite a few good people lined up for that um desert island dicks is another one that i quite like um where people choose everything they hate in life i was one of the original guests on that and um it, it's great fun to do because you can really vent your spleen um and believe me i did if you go back and listen to my my podcast on that confessions with giles fraser again another long form 
uh, interview podcast. Um, he's a brilliant interviewer. He really gets things out of you that you hadn't intended to say. Um, so I, I do like interview podcasts. Um, put the politics of sound. It's, it's another sort of desert island disc type thing where you pick your three favorite albums and talk about why they mean so much to you. And, and he prefaces it with an interview about what you're doing at the moment and all the rest of it. Um, and it's a guy called Ian Carnegie. And he's another one that is quite skillful. He's very calm and deliberate, but he's obviously put a lot of work in preparing for it. He knows everything about you. Um, and that's, that's quite a therapeutic one. But of course, um, I, there are a couple of albums I wanted to choose that somebody else had already chosen because he doesn't like people repeating things. Um, so that, that's, and he, he does that once a month and that, that's a really good production. Good stuff. Well, your podcast with Jackie Smith is called For the Many. I actually yeah. do five podcasts. What are the other four then? Cross Question, which is this weekly panel debate show. That's on, obviously on pause at the moment. I do uh, the Iandale Book Club. Uh, once a week, I interview an author about a book. We put that on pause, but I'm about to restart that again. That's actually proved really popular. Um, and then uh, All Talk and the Iandale Whole Show podcast, where we every day we put the whole show up as a podcast, take out all the news and ads. Um, and that is really popular for people who live around the world in a different time zone where they can catch up whenever they want. Uh, because on the global player, you can only catch up for seven days. So this, this is there all the time. And, and we often put specials. I did, I did four, uh, four days of mental health phone-ins to mark mental health awareness week. So we, we melded those all together into a th- like three hour, 10 minute podcast because we just felt that anybody with mental health issues would actually gain a lot from listening to all of that if they missed it the first time so um they're all they're all reasonably popular in their own little way ian dale and more from ian next week back to the chart now and at number 10 that peter crouch podcast at nine the infinite monkey cage a witty irreverent look at the world through scientists eyes with brian cox and robin Ince. let's check back in with my special guests now bbc tv presenter zoe kleinman and Susanna streeter their tech podcast is called backspace and beyond about five years ago people like you i'm not saying you did this but people like you are always banging on about uh, wearable tech being the next big thing and since then google glasses failed 3D TV didn't take off because people didn't like wearing the glasses. The Apple Watch table is the least busy part of an Apple store. Is wearable tech eventually going to happen? I personally carry my phone everywhere. I put it in my pocket. I put it in my bag. I put it in my rucksack when I'm running. You know, I've got my camel pack with my little water carrier and I put my phone in there. I use my phone and integrate it into whatever tech I'm wearing. I just think there's too many other things. At least you've only got one thing to remember and not lose. (laughs) Oh, too many things. Just take the phone. My little computer to take everywhere. I'm quite fortunate in my job. I get to try out quite a lot of um, this stuff. I'm not allowed to keep it. I hasten to add, but I get to try it out. And um, I have worn a number of devices. I think, I mean, in a way, this comes back to, to what we were talking about earlier with women. I think a lot of them are just designed for men. You know, many smartwatches are enormous. Like, I'd, I wouldn't <laughs> say I've got the wrists of a child, but I put a, you know, a smartwatch on and, and I can barely move the rest of my arm. So I think, I think for lots of them, the design has been an issue. And there's also that kind of thing where um, they sort of fall between two stools. Now, 
that can work. You know, we all said that about the iPad when it came out, didn't we? Like, what do you need a what do you need that yeah. for? Is it a phone or a computer? What is it? But it's found its niche. I think the thing with the watches is they are so small, aren't they? I mean, do you remember when the Apple watches first came out? You sort of watch people trying to read or write a message. But me, I'm in my 40s. My God, I can barely see up close as it is. You know, I sort of struggle with that. But even having said that, the device was too big to be comfortably worn. And I think um, what we've seen is a lot of people have taken up wearables, but it's not it's not like everybody's got one you know like you said Greg we were told everybody was going to get it but yeah that's what we thought and and usually Apple is quite good at taking an idea and 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 really bringing it to the mainstream you know look at what happened with the iPhone the iPhone wasn't the, the first smartphone but that came out in 2007 and 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 now everybody has a, an iPhone shaped device whether it's uh, Apple or Android or whatever you know you you sort of you can look to Apple to to bring that that mass appeal but even it hasn't quite done that I don't think with the Apple Watch yeah the thing I couldn't work out with the Apple Watch is I'm right-handed so this finger is the one I use to work my phone so i hold my phone in my left hand and if i want to why would i t twist my wrist this way to look at the watch when the phone is right here i i never worked out why it was a big deal zoe kleinman and susanna streeter more from them soon i want to find out what they learned about each other from doing the podcast back to the chart now and at number eight it's desert island discs this week's castaway is the author Helen Fielding. At seven, Ross and Jono rebooted. After more than 20 years apart, the Breakfast Show team from Virgin Radio are back together with a great podcast. Ross Williams, while you were at Virgin, you went on tour with the Rolling Stones. I went on tour with the Rolling Stones a couple of times and did a documentary with them. I went to Dublin, Paris, uh, Dallas, Moscow... And London, did they accept you as part of the inner circle, or were you eventually? They did, yes. One of Tony, Tony, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Rolling Stones is a, a very serious rock and roll machine, and um, you become what they call a preferred interviewer. Okay. And Tony, who's a lovely guy, uh, who when they went on tour, he basically controlled all the media and everything, and uh, he sidled up to me at one of the gigs uh, when I was sitting down and he came up or it was backstage or something. And he said, good news. I said, what's that? He said, we like you. You're a preferred interviewer. And so I got a lot of access um, to all of them. Yeah. Probably with the exception of Charlie, who's quite a private guy, but yeah. Ronnie, uh, Keith and Mick. Yeah. And so I did this documentary, a wild documentary going around the world with them. And they're really, really good guys. Yeah. Were there, were there wild times or were those days behind them? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, Keith uh, was still sleeping like a vampire, you know, in the day and, <laughs> and partying at night. Yeah. Mick, um, not so much so, I don't think. Uh, Ronnie, I think he, his mate was Keith, so probably yeah. he was doing the same. And Charlie was, um, I think Charlie had been ill quite seriously ill and was on a road to recovery. And I don't think he's that sort of guy anyway. Uh, I think Charlie was a cup of cocoa and watch CNN and go to bed. <laughs> yeah, but it was good fun. I mean, they were extremely hospitable. The crew were amazing. And uh, I kind of got to know a lot of them. So it was good fun. 
So then Virgin's owners change and it becomes yep. absolute under climate right. and Times of India, I think, were the owners yes, at that stage. Just about yeah. to be. And you moved to mid-mornings. What happened there? Or have I missed a step? I've missed the Chris Evans step there, haven't I? Yes. No, what happens? Uh, Chris comes in. Because you and you and Jono are doing this great breakfast show, and yeah. then Chris Evans decides he wants to buy the station, right? Or does he come in first? No, he comes in. They hire him as the breakfast okay. show host. Right. So uh, that's fair enough. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Jono didn't like it perhaps more than me, but I could see why they did it. Evans was a, a big star. And they said, go and do drive time. We did that for about three months. And it, it wasn't the same. Um, you know, we'd had a, Jono in particular had a couple of run-ins with uh, the Australian program director. And um, it was decided when Jono went to Christmas, I got a phone call, he got a phone call, he's not coming back. I had a contract so, that went so, long. So Jono, Jono's on holiday in Australia. Yes, he family. went back to see his mum every year for a month. Yeah. So I would have two weeks off and I'd then do the show on my own for two weeks or I'd have a guest host or whatever. Um, uh, but my contract was six months longer than his. So they said, look, Jono isn't coming back. Um, Chris has decided, but he was going through the motions of buying it. We want you to stay. Will you do mid-morning? Uh, so I said, okay, and I, I stayed there for 17 years. Seven, 17 years total? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And five Doing of them on breakfast on a national commercial radio. 23 years in total in Golden Square, uh, nearly six on breakfast and 17 on mid-morning. Yeah. It's quite a record, that, for radio, for a business like yeah. It is, isn't it? Commercial radio. You're absolutely right. So, yeah, that's. Uh, and then I decided um, that I couldn't do any more for them. Yeah. On mid morning. You know, it, it wasn't Groundhog Day, but I had to. My mum was starting to get ill. Uh, I wanted to uh, perhaps do more speech radio. Yeah. Um, so I felt, and they were brilliant about it. We stage managed my leaving. They knew six months before I was going. Uh, I announced it, I think, about three weeks before I was going. Uh, and uh, they gave me a brilliant send-off. And I honestly had the time of my life at Golden Square. Fantastic. We, we mentioned uh, Smooth, which didn't work out, but you did no. all sorts of other stuff. I mean, you're a trained journalist, so you, you published a couple of books couple of uh, football books? Uh, that was in the 90s, Football oh, Babylon. That was, before, that was before all that. Wow. So that, that, was, was, that, that was while Russ and Jono was happening. Yes, I wrote them when happens. I was doing Russ and Jono. How'd you uh, fit we, that in? Two books? Well, once you finish at 10, you've got a few hours in the day okay. to do stuff. <laughs> uh, I did Football Babylon. Uh, guess what the follow-up was called? Football Babylon 2. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> We did the Russ and Jono uh, Breakfast Experience book yeah. uh, that we wrote with a guy, a very funny writer called Paul Dornan, who was a friend of Jono's, and we had a little office in King's Cross that we spent three months in there. Uh, and I st it still makes me laugh now because it's so rubbish. <laughs> and uh, somebody tweeted us the other day and said, I've just paid £2.49 for your Russ and Jono book, and I just put overpriced. Because it is but still available on Amazon. Yes, I know it is, yeah. 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 So I did that, and um, 
Yeah, so I enjoy writing. I'm writing a novel at the moment. It's taking a bit longer than I thought. You mentioned this to me oh, a long while ago. Months yeah. ago, yeah. yeah How's yeah. that going? Uh, slowly. <laughs> can you can you give us? You told me a little bit about it, but I haven't told a soul about the idea. I don't know how much you want to reveal. Uh, it's about a bloke who's not dissimilar to me, but isn't similar to me. Um, whose wife uh, died a few years ago, and he's got a little dog that is the centre of his world, and he can't meet anyone. He just can't bring himself to have a relationship with anyone. And one day he goes out uh, walking his dog as normal and has a bit of a mishap, and all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, a woman appears on a horse. And uh, it is called Seven Sunrises, and that it will be called that, and there's a reason for that, and it's about the relationship that he has uh, with that woman over seven days, uh, which is, I think it's a story of hope, romance, historical love, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. You've so, been doing all sorts of other stuff since then. I mean, mm -hmm. you've, uh, you've been on different radio stations, LBC. You've been doing a lot with... Uh, TalkSport and uh, TalkSport2. Yes. And, of mm. course, there was the reunion of Russ and John, not only on Fix Radio, but as a podcast too, which is still available because that's the great it thing is. with podcasts. Yeah. They have yeah. such a long tail. People discover it and, and they yeah. are timeless. What was the decision to get back together with Jono based on? Uh, but Jono um, got sick uh, with a prostate issue, quite sick. And um, we were talking about it. And he was coming over to London and Nick Pitts uh, helped us out. Who's the boss of jazz FM with studios. And uh, we thought, what the hell, let's give it a go. And, uh, you know, life's too short. So we did that. We had a lot of fun. And then uh, we managed to continue it with you. And you can still listen to it on audio boom and various places. The Russ and Jono experience, or whatever we call it, is still on there now. Just, uh, just good stuff. I mean, you, yeah. you, you did all that other stuff, but that was just still there. And you just, it just sounds like you never, it sounds like you, you'd finished at, at Virgin or Absolute on the Friday. And then this is the Monday morning show. I mean, there's no, there's no gap. It's, it's, you just, I don't know, just clicked into gear where you were. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing really. And it was so fun to do it because we get on so well and we've got a similar sense of humor and um, we think we like to think we know what people want to listen to. There's bound to be people who disagree, and uh, but that's life. And, uh, yeah, we just thought we'd give it a go. And then, of course, you called us and we went to fix and we were doing an hour a day, best of at the weekends, and we had brilliant fun doing that. Yeah, brilliant I think, fun. I think you, for a lot of people, you put fix on the map, uh, fix radio, because it was like, oh, Russ and Jono. Oh, wow, Russ and Jono. <laughs> and, Those uh, two idiots. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really was. It was great yeah. to have you on the station. It was, it was really, really good. This is the Pod 20, the countdown of the top 20 podcasts based on downloads and your recommendations at thepodcastradio.co.uk. Number six this week is Guru, the Dark Side of Enlightenment. James Arthur Ray was an Oprah-endorsed self-help teacher who achieved fame, fortune and influence, but friends and family members of his followers questioned his unorthodox methods and tried to stop him. This is the story of The Dark Side of Enlightenment, hosted by the journalist Mark Stroud. 
At five, the Joe Rogan experience. His latest guest is Dr. Alan Livinovitz, who talks about his latest book, Natural, How Faith in Nature's Goodness Leads to Harmful Fads, Unjust Laws and Flawed Science. My guests this week are the BBC TV presenters Zoe Kleinman and Susanna Streeter. Their tech podcast is called Backspace and Beyond. Tell me how recording the podcast has changed because of lockdown. We used to be able to just nip into the little radio studio after we'd finished our dev work and record, put it straight into the system and then edit. Now we both um, record on uh, our recording devices. I have mine just here, if I can show you. Uh, let me just get it. So I've, I record onto this. And uh, Zoe's got a similar piece of kit. And then we actually call each other up on a WhatsApp video so that we can see each other. We have head plugs, he- headphones plugged in from our WhatsApp video so we can talk to each other on video and then record on our devices. So it's like we're still in the same room. And actually lockdown has proved that we can take this podcast anywhere because we can do that anywhere in the world. And the sound quality is pretty good. So, um, you know, it takes the podcast completely out of the studio, puts us on the road and uh, means that we can just keep on going. We were a bit nervous about it, or certainly I was when when lockdown started, because you know it's quite a long form chatty thing, and I think it's it, I felt like it might be quite hard to do that. And also, of course, we had a lot less to talk about because suddenly neither of us was really going anywhere, you know. Um, but it has sort of worked really well, and I think we went a couple of weeks, didn't we, when we both just did, neither of us mentioned it and sort of thought, oh, maybe we'll just have a break from this, you know, because this is all such a weird situation. And then somebody tweeted us, didn't they, saying, you know, where's your podcast? and it sort of kicked us back into action again yeah thank you one of our fans and he really (laughs) did he just said come on we really want to hear from you what's life like and so we've really yeah gone at it with a vengeance again and realized there is so much to talk about we're we're both working remotely. I'm broadcasting um, remotely, doing a show today and tomorrow, doing late night shows, still covering lots of different uh, business and tech topics on my radio show, and then bringing that experience and also life experience, what it's like under lockdown, you know, like everybody has a different experience, don't they? But I think we're, we're it's such a tech experience that it's really good to explore through the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, we're kind of lucky in a way, I hate to say that, that, that COVID-19 happened when it did. Because if it happened 10 years ago, I think it would have been a very different experience because of the lack of tech. Particularly for children and teenagers. They are so used already to socialise online. And my two boys, who are at 10 and 13, are so used already to be socialising online. They have got their groups of friends that they link up with on the Xbox, on Fortnite, play team games, and they feel as though they've still got a social life. And during those games, that's when they chat. They're very different to um, girls of the same age who will chat for hours on on the phone through Zoom calls or uh, WhatsApp video calls. They don't want to chat like that. They want to chat while doing something. And so gaming already existed. And so I do 
don't worry so much about how much time they're spending now because I can see it's really good for them mentally. I used to think before it's bad for them mentally, but now I can see that actually staying in contact in that way has just been a godsend, really. Susanna Streeter and Zoe Kleinman. I'm Graham Mack and this is the Pod 20, the definitive countdown of the top 20 podcasts based on downloads and your recommendations at thepodcastradio.co.uk. Number four this week, Real Dictators. It's a podcast hosted by Paul McGann. You'll know him from Doctor Who, Luther, With Nail and I. And it explores the hidden lives of history's tyrants. The latest episode is part two on Joseph Stalin. At three... Shagged, married, annoyed from Chris and Rosie Ramsey. The only way Rosie and Chris Ramsey can have a conversation without being interrupted by a toddler or ending up staring on their phones is by doing a podcast. My special guests this week know all about gadgets like mobile phones. They are the BBC TV presenters Zoe Kleinman and Susanna Streeter. Their podcast is called Backspace and Beyond. Zoe, what have you learned about each other from doing the podcast? One of the podcasts we did recently um, that for some reason, you know, we have these sort of in-depth discussions about tech and business, right? And what came out by the by, is that I don't like cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, we sort of laughed at Susanna to this day is absolutely horrified by this. And I, I can't remember whether it was you or me, Susanna, but one of us tweeted it afterwards, you know, in, in kind of bigging up the, the new issue of the podcast. And I had about, you know, I had dozens of people getting in touch with me going, what do you mean you don't like cheese? What's wrong with you? And then other people, I'm pleased to say, saying, no, no, you know what? We don't like cheese either. And I've noticed, Susanna, ever since this chat, you do try and sort of trap me with cheese chat every single time it was wine and cheese virtual evenings on the last podcast yeah she's like do you fancy a wine and cheese evening yeah oh was that a trap because that seemed it it, it seemed a bit strange for that to pop up in the last podcast i see right so that was uh, that was a throwback to an earlier thing and a bit of a hook didn't it it seem strange graham i thought that too (laughs) in the last one though you're not you're not scared to to take the issues head on i mean you you opened with the talking about the black lives matters uh protests was that a deliberate th- did you have a discussion beforehand do we touch this do we stay away from this we or did, did you just have go a discussion for it? in fact yeah we redid that podcast we don't normally we literally do a podcast and there we go and it's it's out and it's published but we were in the middle of editing it and the night before the protests had become hu- absolutely huge and we had focused on uh, what President Trump was, uh, his attitude towards Twitter and his moves yeah. to try and, yeah, make social media companies responsible for the content on their platform. So they're not just a conduit uh, for news and opinion. But because the riots had begun, we realised that, you know, we really needed to reflect that so we want to have, we want to make sure our podcast is of the moment. So if it's landing that week, we want to make sure that we are hitting the issues that you want to hear about that week. Still, a lot of those issues, if you go back to the, the previous podcast, you know, there are lots of other issues that we talk about, which are still relevant to today anyway. But I kind of feel as though it still has a bit of a real, a, a news angle and a news remit that we m- need to be talking about the issues that really matter. So we re- went back and we revisited the podcast to reflect the huge protests. And also we could then talk about the lack of diversity in tech companies and not just, you know, female representation, but but um, ethnic minority representation and how important that was and kind of take the angle into a different direction. Um, So, yeah, that was the only podcast that we thought, you know, we need to 
really redo that and reflect the exactly what's happening. It's very hard to get the tone right, I think, with that sort of thing. I remember WhatsApping Susanna a few hours after we'd recorded it and just saying, do you know what? I don't think it's right. I think we need to do it again. And it's quite hard because we're both working parents. You know, it's not like we've got loads of time here and we're sort of kids climbing all over us half the time. But we were like, no, we we have to try and carve out another half hour here because, you know, it's so important to get that sort of thing right, I think. Yeah, so yeah. we... We do make sure, though, that uh, amidst the big, heavy-hitting topics, that we're also looking at the lighter side of life and, uh, you know, recounting some of the crazy incidents that happen when you're stuck in a, a broom cupboard broadcasting, as I am at the moment, like going to heat up a Thai red curry at midnight and scolding your hand and having to keep it in a big jug of water all the way through the broadcast that you're broadcasting right across the world, which was on one of my live uh, BBC radio shows. So there's a little bit of kind of behind the scenes as well in there as well about what it's like um, as a broadcast as a reporter dashing into TV and radio studios usually or dashing into our makeshift studios now. Susanna Streeter and Zoe Kleinman. Their podcast is called Backspace and Beyond and they'll be back on this show next week. It's the Pod 20 as we get to the final two at the top of the chart and at number two, Grounded with Louis Theroux, which means... This week, we have a brand new number one and straight in at the top of the chart, Doing It Right, a new podcast series from the journalist and broadcaster Pandora Sykes. Her first guest is Joe Lysett. That's it for episode 11 of the Pod 20. I'm Graham Mack, and thanks to this week's guest podcasters, Zoe Kleinman, Susanna Streeter, Ross Williams, Ian Dale, and Sean Williamson. If you'd like to watch extended Zoom chats with all of my guests, check them out on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Next week, my guest is the Hollywood scriptwriter, director, producer and sports commentator, Ken Levine. You've enjoyed his work on MASH, Cheers, Frasier, Everybody Loves Raymond and the film Volunteers, which starred Tom Hanks and John Candy. Ken, you've done so many things. How do you think of yourself? You know, I'm kind of, I guess, a writer more than anything else because even when I do other things, including Major League Baseball play-by-play, I'm still writing. During the course of the season, I would write scripts and send them in, or I wrote a book, a diary about one of my years doing Major League Baseball. So... Writing seems to be something that is part of my DNA. Are writers happy people? (laughs) No, usually they're not. I'm one of the happier people. We're all neurotic as hell, but no, I, I am not one of those people, though, that believes in order to be a successful writer uh, you have to come from a horribly dysfunctional family and there has to be 17 tragedies in your life no i don't believe in that you know and if it's a you know a trade off of you can live a miserable life but your work will last for another 400 years or have a really great life and your shows might rerun once or twice in the summer, I'll take the latter. 
Ken Levine, my special guest next week on the Pod 20. And what will happen on the podcast chart next week? Will Pandora Sykes stay at number one? Or will Louis Theroux return to the top? Will your favourite podcast be at number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart by making a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.